Hello, friend. Welcome to the Whole Word Podcast. This is Pastor Pitts Evans. On this podcast, we read and discuss one chapter of God's Word per episode. Let's go now to the Bible and see what the Lord has for us today. We want to take a look now at the book of Titus, which was also written by Paul, just as First and Second Timothy were written by Paul. It's generally believed that the book of Titus was written at the same time First Timothy was written, uh, during Paul's first incarceration or imprisonment in Rome. And then um, Paul left prison for a season and later wrote Second uh, Timothy as his last letter. That's what's generally believed by church historians and theologians. So Titus was a Greek man. Uh, he was a convert of Paul's. Uh, he had not been required to be circumcised by Paul. Paul sent him frequently to different places. He sent him to Corinth three different times. Titus came from Antioch, and he went with Paul and Barnabas to the Jerusalem Council. He actually traveled with Paul and Barnabas on Paul's first missionary journey. He worked with Paul in Crete, and Titus later became the bishop of Crete, according to church history, and died there at the ripe old age of 94. And so this was a guy that was well-known, both within the pages of Scripture and extra-biblically in the early church. He was an early church father. The book itself places an emphasis on sound doctrine. And along with First and Second Timothy, this is one of the so-called pastoral letters or pastoral epistles. And uh, it's used frequently to instruct church leaders, uh, deacons, uh, elders, pastors, evangelists, and so forth. There's a lot of instruction for church leaders, but the instruction is applicable to every Christian, uh, whether you're a leader at this point in time or not. There's a strong emphasis on godliness and disciplined living. And so Paul speaks to Titus just as he did to Timothy as a spiritual father. And Titus was um, also Paul's spiritual son, just as Timothy was. In some ways, he probably spent more time with Paul than everybody else, with the possible exception of Timothy. So Titus was very close to Paul. Now, Titus chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness in the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time, and which now, at his appointed season, he has brought to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God our Savior. To Titus, my true son in our common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order that which was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I had directed you. An elder must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught, so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. For there are many rebellious people, full of meaningless talk and deception, especially those of the circumcision group, 
They must be silenced, because they are disrupting whole households by teaching things they ought not to teach, and that for the sake of dishonest gain. One of Crete's own prophets has said it, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. That saying is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply so that they will be sound in the faith and will pay no attention to Jewish myths or to merely human commands of those who reject the truth. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and consciences are corrupted. They claim to know God, but by their actions they deny Him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. So Paul begins with his apostolic introduction in one very long sentence, and I'll read uh, I'll read the first three verses of this sentence because the fourth verse, in my opinion, is to a different subject, but the first three verses. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to further the faith of God's elect, so he's giving his mission purpose, why God called him as an apostle and a servant, to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness, in the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time, and which now, at his appointed season, he has brought to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God our Savior. Now that verse 3 ends with a comma, meaning that sentence is not finished, but it's quite a long sentence full of many thoughts, but it outlines Paul's apostolic calling, his Ministry preaching was about Jesus Christ, the Savior. Uh, He wanted to preach the truth that leads to godliness and eternal life. These things were part of his ministry and, by extension, are part of all true godly ministry. And Titus is his spiritual son. So the last part of that sentence, verse 4, to Titus, my true son, in our common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. So it's very similar wording to Titus as it was to Timothy. To Titus, my true son and our common faith, not his natural son, but his spiritual son. And uh, I have spiritual sons. I have been other people's spiritual sons in years gone by. And uh, perhaps you're someone's spiritual son or your spiritual father or mother to someone now. This is a biblical concept that's conveyed to us from Paul's life in both Timothy and Titus as spiritual sons. So the mission of Titus was to be um, in Crete, as I mentioned in the introduction. He became the bishop of Crete and was there till he was 94 years old. But Paul has some interesting things to say about people from Crete. He says, uh, the reason I left you in Crete was so that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders uh, in every town as I directed you. And so he goes on to talk about Cretans being not very wholesome people. And uh, even in our day, 2,000 years later, to be calling someone a Cretan is um, kind of an insult, implying that they're kind of a a bad character. And so um, Paul says to Titus, I left you in Crete to put things in order and to appoint elders. And so the qualifications of elders that are about to come forth in Titus have been universally applied to Uh, ministers down through the generations, and all sorts of church leaders, not only elders, but deacons, evangelists, um, prophets, apostles, and so forth. So verse 6, these qualifications begin. An elder must be blameless, in other words, without accusation in the community. He must be faithful to his wife 
or if it's a female faithful to her own husband. No uh, extramarital sexual activity. A man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. And so we learn in Paul's letter to Timothy that the reason their families have to be in order is because if a man can't take care of his own family, how can he take care of the household of God? In verse 7, the overseer or the elder must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. So you wouldn't want a crook or a crooked individual for an elder or a church leader, nor would you want somebody that was quick to throw down the gloves and fight, quick-tempered. So um, it must be rather uh, the positive attributes are hospitable, one who loves what is good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. And so we have the negative, what they're not to be, and then we have the positive, what they should be. I love that hospitable. Uh, Leaders in the church should be hospitable people and welcome whoever comes, uh, whatever their background is, whatever their current situation is. The cross is open to all comers. So the church of Jesus Christ should be open to all comers. Whomsoever will is um, welcome at the cross. That does not mean that they're allowed to stay in their Uh, Their old life, they should be coming from their old life to new life in Christ. But it's the Lord's responsibility to draw them into that new life. It's the Lord's responsibility to bring them uh, forward in holiness and right living, righteous living, once they've been saved. Verse 9, continuing the instructions of what an elder should do, he must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. And so these are very important characteristics that are laid down. And Paul gives further uh, information as to why we need these qualities in elders. Verse 10, because there are many rebellious people full of meaningless talk and deception, especially those of the circumcision group. And this circumcision group is so-called Judaizers who said you had to be circumcised to become a Christian and adopt some of the other laws of Moses, maybe dietary observance and so forth. Paul says that these are one reason we need true elders in the church so we can guard against that group. He says they must be silenced because they're disrupting whole households by the teaching of things they ought not to teach, and for the sake of dishonest gain. And so Paul is instructing uh, Titus that the elders that are raised up need to be on their guard against this. Then he makes a general observation that's interesting. To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and their consciences are corrupted. So to the pure, all things are pure. I mean, I believe he means that to the pure, you see things through the lens of purity. But to the corrupted, um, all things are corrupted. The corrupted see people and actions through the lens of their own corruption. And so nothing is pure. Nothing is righteous to the corrupted. But uh, in Christ, we can become pure and holy. We don't have to be detestable or disobedient or unfit for leadership. We can become blameless in Christ and be raised up. And so to be an elder in the church of Jesus Christ, to be a leader, is an honorable thing if it's done correctly. And these characteristics were laid down so that we might give an account of ourselves as leaders in the church of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for myself and for others who are called to lead in the church, that we would live according to these standards. Lord, we would be blameless, faithful to our wives and, and husbands, for those who have husbands, faithful to raise our children up in the belief 
that we teach in the church, we would be faithful to oversee our households and God's household. Lord, let us not be given over to drunkenness or quick temper. Let us not be violent or pursuing dishonest gain. Help us, God, to be hospitable and to love what is good. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Whole Word. It was brought to you by Whole Word Fellowship and the Northern Virginia House of Prayer. If you were encouraged, please share our podcast with your friends. We'd also appreciate it if you'd hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app and take a few moments to write a review. If you'd like more information on our church and our ministry, you can go to wholeword.net or wholewordpodcast.com for more information. Thank you again, and may the Lord Jesus bless you today and always.